0: Jim, do you recognize this pen? <laughs> you
1: son of a bitch. I do recognize that pen. It's a pen that you stole from my car yesterday. Can we get into this in a moment? Well,
0: when I get my Wel- mechanical pencil back, you will get this pen back.
1: You lost that. Welcome back to another episode of What Do We Know with Hari and Jim. I'm Jim Flanagan, joined as always by the incorrigible Hari Rao. Hari, how are you today?
0: Doing good. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, flanked as always by our producer, James Webb. at People Comedy Podcast Network Studios. James, how are things? How are well, you? beautiful, Jimmy. Uh, I nail it every time. Real quick, um, uh, I want to give a big shout out to a friend of the show. How's Jerry doing? Uh, James's two dogs, Jericho and Asuka, uh, you may hear them on the show from time to time. They're our most, they're our most occur- common occurring guests. Yeah. Uh, Jerry just had some surgery. He did. He's doing well. He's upstairs literally right above
2: us right now, staring at the alley. Okay. Uh, just a dreaming of, of, of running and jumping and not being in so much knee pain. But he'll be fine in uh, three months. He never got to be a puppy because he has a degenerative knee disease, Oof. so that's over now. He finally gets to be a
1: dog. I'm so excited for him. So good. It's, it's going to be good. That's awesome. very happy to hear that. I feel like uh, if you name a dog after a pro wrestler, you're asking for health issues. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Does Asuka spray uh, spray green mist at people when they come to the door instead of trying to bite um, them? If she likes you, she sprays green <laughs> mist good. at you. Awesome. Well, we're happy Jerry's on his way to recovery. Um, I'm already
0: scared of James' dog, just by its name. <laughs>
1: Asuka and Jerry, Jericho.
0: Well, now that I know it's named after a pro wrestler, <laughs> who knows be. what that dog can do. They're coming for you. They are. Well, whatever it does, it's going to be fake, right? So.
1: That's not true. That's not how wrestling works, it's Harry. It's not
0: fake. It's, it's illusion. Predetermined.
1: It's predetermined. It's predetermined. Uh, it's storytelling. It's a lot of what we do on stage. Uh, what Hey, a, what, a... what I
0: do is real. <laughs>
1: That's... <laughs> Real something, so we, uh, so Hari and I went on the road for the first time, um, first like real road gig together, yes? Uh, we, a tour it was, if you will It's not a tour It was one date <laughs> I was like hey Do you want to do this show He goes sure Should we like set up Like a tour IG or something I'm like no It's not a tour You don't know how Any of this works
0: I didn't bring any Of the t-shirts
1: uh, You did not bring The t-shirts We went to um, A small town uh, Called Cascade Wisconsin Where Harry was the First brown person They had seen And <laughs> uh, I believe
0: I felt very exotic there You did
1: You were very exotic there um, They were They were nice Eventually Like When a place Doesn't know how to do Comedy. Everything's just different. Like, we met a nice couple before the show. We were talking to them. They found out we were the comics. They were like, Yeah, we came in to see the show. We heard it was great last time, blah, blah, blah. We're really looking forward to it. Halfway through my set, the guy walks up to the stage and goes, All right, Jim, I'm out of here. It was very nice to meet you. I'm in the middle (laughs) of a bit. (laughs) I'm <laughs> in the middle of a bit and he's just like I really enjoyed speaking with you and Hari I hope you have a good evening It's a just very genuine and, thing I mean like, absolutely <laughs> like I've never had someone be so polite as they're walking out in the middle of my act <laughs> it was the weirdest dichotomy <laughs> It was so hurtful, yet I really hope they got home safe. I meant it when I said that. I uh, hope they have a good time. Uh, we had fun. Hari um, Harry and I had uh, McDonald's on the way there, Taco Bell on the way back, and you had some kombucha. I know that because all those wrappers uh, were still in my car this morning, uh, but whatever. It was nice of you to at least go on the trip and let me buy you things. That's fun. Um, I hope you had a nice time. I'll throw it out. Don't worry. I'm fine. <laughs> uh (laughs) did you have
0: fun i didn't know all those offers were just a ruse for this attack now on the podcast (laughs) it's all an attack on the podcast
1: that's all i ever do is set you up on the podcast uh you did lose a mechanical pencil in my vehicle
0: yeah i don't know how that was possible and
1: it's weird because you were trying to look for it under the seat of the car Yet you refused to open the car door and get out of the car to look for it. So you're just climbing around my car in Cascade, Wisconsin. Before we go in, <laughs> and eventually I'm like, "You, you think you could like open the door and look? You're like, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> like you had never it never crossed your mind. Were you scared to walk out there
0: in Cascade? Yes. I was more worried about the the wildlife there. I I asked Jim if he had ever hit a deer before, and Mm -hmm. then like two seconds later, some deer ran in front of the car. Three
1: deer go running in front of the car all at the same time. And Harry told me you've hit three deer. Yes. And then you told me it was all at once. (laughs) I was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. That got me. That was fun. Uh, it was a nice little bit you did. Uh, we had a good time. Would you go back to Cascade, Wisconsin? Probably my Wisconsin? best
0: bit of last night. <laughs> I
1: was, was not sure. You had several. Uh, would you go back to Cascade, Wisconsin?
0: Well, armed with new information. <laughs> well, I, I, would, I would go back.
1: If you're only armed with new information, you should not be there. Everyone else <laughs> is armed with far more than information in that room.
0: Well, look, I don't want, like, there's no, like, race card or anything being played here, mm-hmm. but there is a distinct difference in how people look at you. When they see someone like you for the very first time, in absolutely, the room. it's very distinctive, and it's like a, a very thick kind of tension to cut through.
1: You're just you're the only. I mean, everyone there, and, and they're all trumped out. They're all they're they're very. They know the comics are from Chicago, so they want to make sure that we know like like where they stand on everything, you know, <laughs> um, and and camouflaged and 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 I just don't know. Have you ever walked into a place like that before?
0: So I've walked into. Uh, you know, I used to play in a heavy metal band, I
1: told you. <laughs> this is my favorite thing about you.
0: <laughs> so in, like, the 90s, sometimes we'd get these gigs out in the boonies mm-hmm. where we would end up, like, playing in front of a room like that who was just not really expecting, like, a heavy metal band, let alone, like, a scrawny Indian guy <laughs> on bass. <laughs> like, it was, like, this is the weirdest thing. But here's also kind of a strange thing. And I think a lot of um, people growing up who were born here from parents of foreign descent, experience is mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I was born and raised here, so so a lot of times I don't even realize like I'm going into a situation sure where people might be looking at me differently yeah, yeah, yeah. because I don't really feel any different. And yeah. then and then I realize, wait a minute, oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is something <laughs> different here
1: that makes sense uh uh, people had a hard time with just the name hari i don't think they've ever heard the name hari before everyone had like like they'd checked in with you like you were wrong like are you sure it's (laughs) Harry?
0: are you pronouncing that correctly (laughs) it's
1: Harry, isn't it it's been Harry this whole time and you're just you're not bright um but yeah but i mean and and it turned out to be a good time they were they were very nice they were uh, we had a lot of fun um we booked the hell out of there as quickly as possible still i mean um because it's like it's it's like Twenty miles or hundred and fifty years from Sheboygan is is the best way to describe <laughs> this location. Um, you are it, it's you're you're there's a lake on one side it's like a circle to get into this little community but only one way in one way out you know what I mean and we are at the apex of it we are like as deep into Cascade as possible sounds like a cult it really like I've done some like nudist resorts that are like very off the beaten path
0: what I love how nonchalant you just <laughs> threw that out there yeah dude.
1: I don't hang dong like, I, like I'm like i performing <laughs> let me make that clear I'm going in I'm going in normal they're all natural but I go in normal What's, But uh... so, you, so you crush everything reset because the crowd's already naked oh yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) lots of dick jokes last time i opened with uh, i thought this was a buddhist resort (laughs) and that got a (laughs) great that got at least there they wear robes um so (laughs) it's so dumb um but no but like but they're always like in compounds off the beaten path and that's what this felt like but it was just a, a a community that way it's just always different when you're the only people who don't know everybody in a room anyway. But they were they were nice. It was fun. It was just a, a little different experience. Yes, so
0: nice, honestly. Mm. Like, I'll admit, you know, people have stereotyped me before. Uh, but I'll admit, I stereotyped a little bit when we were driving through. And I, I saw some dudes in, like, camouflage and, like, hunting gear. And yeah. I was like, oh, man, these guys are going to totally hate me. <laughs> and they were, like, the nicest people. Hey, yeah. how are you doing? <laughs> Opening up the door. Can I get you a drink, you know?
1: one guy one guy who was completely camouflaged out just sat there and stared at both of us the entire show walks up afterwards and goes man you guys were awesome some of these folks are from the boondocks and they don't get it but i get it (laughs) we're like yeah some of them are weird huh dude (laughs) who just stared at us polishing a gun for 90 minutes Thank you very much, but it was fun. So, speaking of fun, I wanna I wanna get into our topic today. We have a great guest who's gonna join us in just a moment. Magic, baby! We're gonna yes. learn about magic. Tell me, are you? I love magic. Do you? I'm yep. a huge fan. Um, everything from I've seen. I saw Copperfield when I was a kid. Oh man. Um, William Pack's gonna be joining us in a few minutes. Uh, I've gotten to know him a little bit. Um, I think we run in kind of similar worlds, comedy and magic, and I think we want to talk a little bit about that. I actually i took a i took a date to the uh, Chicago Magic Lounge a couple weeks ago Uh, yeah highly recommend as a date move if you're trying to make something disappear take him to a magic club (laughs) that's my new uh that's my new tagline um have you ever have you seen live magic
0: yeah actually very recently uh, a local magician named john sterk okay uh was part of a variety show i co-produced last week um and it was really cool he did a he did some some close-up magic okay well, close up by virtue of the fact that he was just a few feet in front of us, like, <laughs> was it just, like, just proximity only. <laughs> just proximity, yeah, only. but it was really cool. I love magic, and I really like magic comedy mixture. Mm-hmm. I think
1: I agree, and uh, I have a are, few
0: questions about that. Later good, and
1: later. we're going to talk a lot about that. And William is also a very funny joke writer, so uh, we will. Uh, it's a uh, there's a combination. I think I don't know. I think so many of these art forms. There's like a crossover. Like I've always wanted to be a magician. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't know. You did? Yeah, I've learned a few magic tricks. I have an. You always I continue uh,
0: to surprise me. First, uh, the rap music.
1: I love rap music and magic. And- <laughs> one time, Bob did a song called Magic. Boom! Combined everything I loved: magic and rap music. It was perfect. Wow. All right. Then uh, we'll be right back uh, with our guest William Pack right after this. We're back with our guest, William Pack, in our first segment, Three Questions, where uh, our guest expert walks us through three questions on the subject, and then we'll come back at the end and get the answers in our segment, Three Answers. William Pack, welcome. Question number one.
2: Question number one is, uh, how do you respond to a magic trick? How do you you feel when you're being fooled? Hmm. My first response
0: is always... How did he do that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Skepticism or like like
1: intrigue, try to figure it out.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love it, but that's my first thing is like, how, how did that happen? I'm like looking at his hands and like.
1: I'm thinking about that the whole way through, but as it happens, I let it go. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'll come back and feel that way. I just want to. Enjoy it. I want to, I'm in the moment for it. I'm uh yeah, I'm. I'm a mark.
2: I'm a sucker. All right. Question number two. What's the first trick you ever remember seeing, or what's like the most memorable trick you've ever seen?
0: The first trick I ever remember seeing is that the nose one. Where you <laughs> <laughs> the finger and you. They all got your nose? Yeah. Yeah, that is. <laughs> that freaked me out when I was like six.
1: <laughs> oh, <that is. laughs> it's like i just got my driver's license where the hell's my nose um i would, uh, most memorable most memorable would be making the statue of liberty disappear
0: now i feel kind of silly about my nose. no man
2: that nose answer is the best answer there is question number three so if i ask you the name of magician who is the first that pops in your
1: head
0: david copperfield
1: uh harry houdini for me that's the one copperfield for you harry
0: yeah You know, Copperfield always had these big productions that were, like, televised and Mm -hmm. stuff, you know? And uh, so I just remember that that's the most memorable to me because, you know, my family, we'd watch those on TV and it'd just be really cool, and I'd be like, what's his hands doing? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I think We're going to come back to those in our, our last segment, Three Answers, because uh, I think William has uh, has s- some uh, additional information on those things for us So we're going to come back to. Um, we're so thrilled you're joining us here today. William, I, I know you're a very accomplished uh, magician. A lot of times on the show, we use the term expert very loosely. We always use it very loosely, but we actually have someone who has a ton of experience. Can you tell us just a little bit about what makes you an expert on the subject? of magic
2: okay well i grew up on the southwest side of chicago Mm -hmm. not that that really makes me an expert magic a lot on its own but when i was 11 uh, i got a job at a magic shop
1: wow that young
2: and stayed there till i was 21 so it was magic costumes novelties all different kinds of things like that and the the, really i started out like sweeping the floors for a buck fifty an hour Mm. on the weekends and then started doing sales by the time i was 13 there and stuff so doing shows and It's all I've ever really done. It's the only thing I'm qualified to do is magic. (laughs) So I've really, uh, I've written about history of magic. I've uh, created tricks for other magicians and helped uh, consult with them. Uh, Taught Will Smith magic for the movie Ali. That's incredible. He was uh, playing Muhammad Ali because Muhammad Ali was a a magic fan and Mm -hmm. magician. And so I really devoted my life to the art.
1: First of all, that whole experience had to be incredible on its own. Um, when you went in at 11 to work at that, uh, that magic shop, were you a fan already, or was that where the love developed?
2: No, I was, but... I had the old Marshall Bourdain magic sets, which never really worked all uh-huh, that well. Right. The instructions aren't aren't the best in the world, or uh, hard for a kid to figure out, really, to perform and that sort of thing. So it wasn't until then that I, that I'm around other magicians, working the place, that really start to push me into saying, "Hey, this I like this world." It. Doesn't seem like it's working for a living
1: when you you mentioned the history of magic and you've written on the subject where is there like a is there a beginning point that that people can pinpoint to magic? Uh,
2: Not specifically. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know that in like uh, about one AD or so uh, Seneca really writes the first. Description of a magic trick okay. that we know of. You know, people talk about in Egyptian pyramids and stuff. That's all bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first confirmed, and it's a trick called the cup and dice, and which it evolved later on into the cups and balls. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's that's the only one that we can trace that's a real magic trick. Okay. Uh, people talk about other things, pap- papyrus and stuff. It's, it's again, yeah, bullshit.
1: You, yeah, you don't really know. Right. But this you can really trace back all the way from 1 AD. Mm-hmm. Uh, to. Are you familiar with the cup and balls trick?
2: I am not. F-
0: <laughs> two <laughs> girls, one ball. cup. No, 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 that's no, no the, cup and balls. Cup I didn't
1: mean to. <laughs> <laughs> you familiar with the cup and balls trick, Harry? Right. I'll show it to you on our next road trip to Wisconsin. Um, good story.
0: No. <laughs> Well, I was wondering, though, yeah, I mean, please. going back into the history of magic that far, where does magic in, like, a cult, in, like, black magic intertwine and then kind of separate? Like, back then, was it all considered, like, voodoo? Like, I'm mixing uh, a lot of different no.
2: words here. Uh, uh, <laughs> no. There are people in religions who use magic effects to kind of get people to believe the religion and that sort of thing. But uh, it, that's an, another myth. Okay. You know, for years, people talked about how, you know— King whatever in England had burned magicians at the stake because he thought they were in league with the devil and witches and so on. That, again, bullshit. Uh, There's a clear delineation between people who did magic for entertainment. Okay. uh, King Charles had a court magician. And then people who are these quasi-religious cult, whatever you want to call them, uh, people.
1: I wonder like when in the old stories like Jesus is turning water into wine there's one guy there who's like I know how he did that. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's like he's got uh, he's got a faucet <laughs> in his arm. He's got he's he's got something on his back with wine in it. I know what he's doing. There's got to be someone who thinks that. First of all, uh, magic versus illusion. Is there a difference in the definition to you? Are they interchangeable at this point?
2: There is, because magicians have a very specific definition for an illusion. Okay. Uh, I think most of the time when you're probably saying illusion, you're thinking of an optical illusion Mm -hmm. or that sort of thing. Uh, Magicians, so there's magic, right, or magicians. And then there's all these kind of categories underneath, just like there's doctors and there's all different kinds of doctors, Mm -hmm. right? And we have these people called illusionists. They're the big stage magicians. They're the boxes where they put the girl in, put the knives in, whatever, the Statue of Liberty vanish, Mm -hmm. all those kinds of, those are illusions. Uh, The big tricks.
0: So illusion is under the umbrella of magic. Right. What are the major categories? Are there a few that are just these are the...
2: Yeah, well, you can talk, uh, you know, for stage magic, there's illusionists. Okay. There's what we call, what magicians call manipulators. And those are guys who, uh, you ever see a magician, like, stand on a bare stage just by himself and start producing cards from his hands? Yes. That's a manipulator. He often does billiard balls and other types of stuff like that. Then there's just general magicians, prop magicians or whatever, that kind of thing, comedy magicians, that all kind of fits in. Those are generalists. Like bunny out
0: of a hat. What kind of magic would that be? And that's just a generalist kind of
2: thing. Uh, Then there's close-up magicians. Okay. And that could be a bar magician, it could be a strolling magician, it could be someone that comes to your restaurant table and performs, that sort of thing. We have now, uh, like at the Chicago Magic Lounge, we have the Back Room, which is a formal close-up show. And that sort of formal kind of close-up was started in uh, the Magic Castle in California. There's a Chicago style of magic, which really started in the restaurants and bars in Chicago. Uh, which oh, wow. The, I didn't know this, there'd
0: be a regional style. We have a,
2: it's the only place that really does have a regional style. And, okay. it's, uh, and then there's, you know, then you go into escape artists and mentalists. I keep whacking the microphone here. But, <laughs> uh, escape artists, uh, which is uh, use, they, these people use magical techniques, but they're not necessarily what they're doing. doesn't necessarily seem like magic sometimes. Uh, mentalists who use magic techniques to make it seem like they're reading people's minds and they try to make it seem like it's real there's bizarre magic now bizarre magic uses occult themes heavily influenced by hp lovecraft and seances and stuff to kind of perform in a way that gives it that uh, cachet of this weirdness to it and storytelling
1: are most magicians like trained in one variety mostly but then pick You know what I mean? Like pull parts from the other
2: sects of magic? I don't know. There's some training going on, Mm -hmm. uh, but most are self-taught. Okay. And most of what we learn is self-taught. And we find Mm -hmm. our way, just like everybody has a different personality. Sure. And a couple things. When I was young, I loved horror movies, especially the old universal horror movies. Watch Son of Singuli all the time and that sort of thing. And so I... Went to bizarre magic. I did bizarre magic and still do. I do a ghost show mm-hmm. in which is I used to recreate nineteenth century seances and stuff. And it, it's a really fun kind of thing to do. Uh, but I also just do stand up magic, comedy magic, and stuff like that for corporate events or whatever I'm doing it for. You know.
1: We met through some mutual friends at some comedy shows. The first couple times uh, William and I met we're, were at shows, and there seems to be a lot of crossover between comedy and magic as well. Is it like a specific, you said stand-up magic, but I would imagine most magicians try and work some sort of humor into their act when possible.
2: Uh, they do. Some are more successful than others. <laughs> right. uh, the thing that you, you see with that is stand-up comics tend to do stuff from their life, stuff to do political you know uh current events type things magicians tend to do gags and jokes and stuff that's not e- t- doesn't touch any of that
0: sure like one and, liner type stuff
2: yeah and and just uh, stuff that comes out of situation sometimes mm-hmm. also and so so it's interesting to see the few magicians that try to combine those two i try and put some topical jokes in my stuff and sometimes they people are like holy shit what the fuck <laughs> did he just do man <laughs> yeah, i don't yeah. I, not, no you're a magician you're not supposed to do that right And it's it's weird that way. And so I'm still trying to figure out where I can, how hard I can go on certain things and stuff. That's really
1: interesting because we talk about it too, though, in comedy now. So many people are going there to get away. So even in a place where they're expecting that, sometimes they don't like the politics and things of that nature. Like at a magic show, they're like, whoa, buddy, hang on. Like we didn't expect any of this here.
2: I think that some of that right now particularly is so raw in us, and mm-hmm. so painful of what's going on in the world right now, that some people can hit it head on, and it's okay. Sometimes you have to touch it in a more oblique way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense.
0: Now I had a twofold question about magic and comedy. Uh, for one, do you ever use the comedy as part of the misdirection to sort of take people's minds into a different place, so that it helps with the trick? Yes. That's awesome. <laughs>
2: You should see Ari's face right now. He's so excited. But I will say that when the magic moment actually happens, you shouldn't be doing comedy. Okay. Because it'll distract them from experiencing that magic moment.
1: That makes sense. It
2: loses it. I do. I I open with an effect that has kind of a a Me Too theme Mm -hmm. to it. Speaking about about topical things, sure. And afterwards, I don't think people people look at it as it was a funny bit, and they don't realize that magic actually happened in it. But it's so so much fun that I leave it. I still do it and stuff. But they don't realize that some magic actually happened in it.
1: That's really interesting.
0: Do magicians who don't use comedy? Is there like a? Like, do they frown upon ma- magicians who do or vice versa? Is that, a, is that a thing in the magician community?
2: There are always those cliques and people mm-hmm. in any one of those fields. Like, if you're a prop comic, often yeah. straight stand-ups look down on you. But if you're entertaining people, if people love you after the show, yeah. fuck you. Right. <laughs> no, not I... really. I, I, I don't get all that hate. And magic and, and stand-up comedy and magicians are really a parallel track mm-hmm. in many ways because – what we do doesn't exist unless we're in front of an audience. Absolutely. You can sing. You can play musical instruments. You don't have to have an audience there. Right. You can still do great work. You can do improv together right. and have a great time and feel like you've accomplished something without an audience there. Mm-hmm. Magic comedy is only 50% until it's been put in front of an audience.
1: Absolutely. You need someone there to be the other side of it. hmm and uh, I think one key difference, and, and and maybe I'm wrong. I've always assumed because comics were petty, and 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 I see it the magicians from,
2: can be a bunch of okay. whiny bitches. too. okay,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but there seems to be more of a collegiality from most, um, and we'll get into part of this later. But there seems to be a collegiality from most that like. You don't, like, I'll tell you, okay, but, yeah, but it was a hack joke. Like, it was funny, but, it was like, it, magic, it seems to be, like, we don't reveal stuff, uh, you know, again, as a general rule.
2: We will. Uh, it's interesting because we're always keeping secrets mm-hmm. that sometimes we don't say what we should be saying to okay. each other. There's a, a code of silence. You see sometimes in the trade magazines and stuff mm-hmm. that somebody puts out a trick on the market. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible trick but it gets a good review in the magazine. Yet whenever you see it, it's a oh. shit trick. You know it's a shit trick. But there's that kind of thing. So there is is some of that going on where sure. they just don't want to step on people's toes or whatever. But as you can tell, I'm not really that kind of person.
1: Understandable. Absolutely. So what are numbers like? I wouldn't even know where to begin with this question with comedy. Are there thousands of working magicians out today? Are there hundreds? Would you have a guess anywhere?
2: I would say there's probably thousands. Okay. Because you have from restaurant magicians work bring bars and restaurants Um, sometimes they're only Mm -hmm. part-timers you probably make just as much money part-time as you can full-time on some of these things makes sense you have the birthday party magicians Mm -hmm. then you you can go up to the corporate event type magicians you have trade show magicians who make big money then you can get to the the very few that are in like touring shows Mm -hmm. or the very very few that are on television if at all, that sort of thing. So it's very similar here. to stand-up in is, all of that regard. Yeah,
0: Is the field of magic
2: growing? Where's What's the direction? Uh, right now, it's growing. So it, it's contracted and grown and contracted and g- grown. I think, you know, sometimes there's an oversaturation. You know, I grew up um, 52. My formative years were the comedy boom years mm-hmm. in the late 80s, mid to late 80s. And there was that huge expansion of stand-up comedy, and then there was this... Contraction afterwards right. as things suffered. People uh, were papering and that kind of thing, you know, yep. free tickets all the time, that sort of stuff. So that's kind of happened with magic. Just before the comedy boom, in Chicago at least, there was a magic boom. There were a dozen different bars and clubs that were magic bars and clubs. Oh, wow. That's and cool. then that kind of contracted. And then the comedy boom happened. And that may have wiped, helped wipe out some of those magic hmm. places. And now it seems that it's expansion again. We're getting expansion again. We have the Chicago Magic Lounge. You have the Palmer House. You have all different kinds of shows going on. Magic Penthouse. All these kinds of things going on just in Chicago alone. Almost every city now. uh, I I just saw a list of like some 57 venues in America featuring magic. From one coast to the next, Magic Castle, to the Magic Speakeasy in New York, and that sort of thing. So there is this kind of movement uh, going on. That's great. And, And I think that we are trying to build a bigger tent mm-hmm. so more diversity more african-american uh, magicians out there there's a wonderful association of african-american magicians there's a lot more female magicians going on there met Ma- chicago magic lounge had a few transgender magicians working there this is a great uh thing for absolutely us. and so that tent is getting bigger more interest and the skill level is much higher
1: I can imagine that as well. Um, I can imagine that, that that all that changes significantly, uh, similar to comedy, like uh, with the internet and so many other things happening right now um, to you know expand what we can and can't do. I could imagine that the skill rate of magicians is getting higher. Yes. Yes.
0: And mm-hmm. is it is it a is it a pretty close knit community? Like do you like for example after a show Jim and I will dissect a joke, and if I mm-hmm. need some help with it, I'll talk to Jim about it. He'll give me his opinion. Do magicians talk to each other about their tricks and maybe even give each other pointers out of how to make something when better?
2: When we're friendly like you guys are, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, m- more friendly maybe. Right, <laughs> right, Friendly-ish. Uh, when, yes. When, I, when they I, don't I, take I,
0: your mechanical pencils. Okay.
2: I, I do that with some I know I can do that with and some I know I can't do that with. Okay. Because they don't accept, you know, egos are involved and that sort of thing. I'm too old for worry about the ego stuff anymore and that kind of thing. So, uh, but I do have a group of friends. I don't share as much because I think too much has been shared okay. out there mm-hmm. on YouTube and stuff. People just, they buy a trick and then they immediately expose it on YouTube, which means they don't have a trick anymore. Oh, that sucks. It's really stupid. Yeah. And so uh, I tend to keep things close to the vest. Mm-hmm. I have a, a circle of friends that I will talk about these things with and talk very deeply about theory and all those kinds of things. How do we structure this or what would make it better? That sort of thing. And I'm happy to listen to anything. And then I make my decision later, of course. But
1: How do you practice? Are there open mics?
2: No. Oh, a good uh, no. question. Uh, uh, <laughs> Shows so.
1: where people throw tomatoes at you <laughs> while you get up there and do your
2: magic tricks? This is something that I've been uh, I've been wanting to do. This is something actually I've been wanting to get together with you to talk about is the open mic uh, thing. Yes. Because there is no place for really for a magician to be bad. And you know, you got to be bad first before you can be good. Absolutely. You got to work it out in front of an audience. Again, you can work in front of the mirror all you want. All the the technical stuff that you have to do is fine, but until you get in front of the audience, that adrenaline's going, you see where they're, how they're reacting and stuff. You can anticipate as much as you want in your bedroom <laughs> in front yeah, of the yeah. mirror, but you have to get in front of an audience. Everyone's and got a plan aren't. to get
1: punched in the face, right? I yes. mean, you got to get out there and you got to do these things in front of people. Mm-hmm. So, You mentioned earlier the Chicago has that regional style. And and when I went to the Chicago Magic Lounge, they spoke about that a lot as well. Can you tell me a little bit what what is the Chicago Magic style? What makes it so unique?
2: Okay. So for a long time, uh, when magicians did like a magic at a nightclub where they go up to someone's table, they would kind of bring their own table Mm -hmm. to that table and do a formal show. So you may interact a little bit by taking a card or something, but you're still a little more passive watching the show happen. Uh, a guy by the name of Matt Julian. Julian's restaurant about uh, the late 1920s, early 1930s, uh, will, will change all of this. He's a restaurateur, he's an amateur magician, he happens to be just kind of an enthusiast, a guy who loves jokes and practical jokes and all this stuff. Runs Julian's uh, you know, Steakhouse at um, 1800 North Halstead. And he sits down at the person's table. This is nothing that was done before. He sits down at the person's table And he becomes part of their group, part of their party. He is rapid fire. He used to say that uh, he could do five tricks when the next magician has only done one. Wow. So it's as rapid. It's like punching people in the face with these these magic climaxes. And then in between each one of these, he's joking. You're laughing your ass off. You're getting punched in the face with the magic. It's an incredible experience that just rocks their world. And it makes Shuling's fans. And other people see this. He Bahaba Al, uh, the first true magic bartender, kind of learns from this and extends it. And it becomes, it starts to spread. And for a long time, the only kind of style magic you saw for close up was Chicago style magic. Everybody kind of did Chicago style magic. And then uh, a guy by the name of David Blaine came along. Mm -hmm. You ever heard of him? He did a (laughs) presentationalist presentation. He did a presentation that really didn't have any presentation to it. Take a card, put it back. Here it is. That kind of thing, and it worked great for him. But that suddenly informed a whole new generation who related to him, saw him as one of their own instead of the old guys cracking silly jokes and that kind of thing. And so they kind of adopted that uh, version of it. But that's not a performing. That's not a style that you can work a restaurant. Right. Right. Going table to table. It's it's always about the thing you. I try and uh, convey to anyone who wants to do magic professionally, it's not always about the magic. Mm-hmm. It's about fun. You're selling fun. Absolutely. And that's the, the magic is the vehicle that you, you try and do this with. But if the people aren't having fun and aren't having laughing, they're not going to come back to see mm-hmm. you again.
1: Can you walk me through? St- if, is, are there step by steps like in comedy? If you're writing a joke, there's a setup, there's a punchline, there's tags. You know, if you're doing a longer bit, you have like your 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 thesis sentence, right? And then everything below needs to support it. In an illusion or or a magic trick, is trick still okay to say? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, okay, I don't know if people. I don't know. Um, but in a in a trick or an illusion, is there like a, when you're performing it for the public? Are there certain steps, like you know, a, a reveal? Are there certain steps that that you have to kind of check off when you're when you're working on a trick?
2: Uh, it all depends on the trick. Mm-hmm. I think uh, each trick has its own internal logic, mm-hmm. its own internal story, and that's really how you have to look at it. Is it's a story where you're setting up, you're telling the story, and then it comes to a climax, and so that's kind of gets you through that. And sometimes it comes to multiple climaxes, but hopefully they are bigger and bigger each time. Uh, you see tricks sometimes that just kind of peter out at the right. end that have no have an, no climax at the end. They just end. And that's sucks. I Absolutely. mean, it, it's following a dramatic structure. Think of it as a play or a story. That's what really is happening in that encapsulated. Now, you take that one trick that has his has, is own little play, and then you add a bunch of other tricks to make a larger play in it. So things of acts in a play or something like that. So it's
0: like it ends up being like a cohesive story
2: yes mm-hmm. I always think I always put
1: so much performance I always compare it to firework displays you know what I mean like mm-hmm. if you go somewhere and watch the fireworks like you're gonna have big pops you're gonna have little pops leading up to a big pop and then and then eventually each of those big pops get bigger right a- until you get to a point where it's just boom 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 everything explodes in front of you like yes. it's, it's that same build up and all of that the same way for yes. that the, the, that largest you, you can't
2: end on a sparkler right correct, <laughs> correct. <laughs> who was your inspiration so, I was a library rat when I was a kid. Okay. So, I would read books about those old horror films. And, of course, I'd read books about Houdini. Mm-hmm. And those were very important because the early uh, biographies, which were not uh, true, but were really exciting. Well, <laughs> uh, oh, the
0: biographies themselves were fictional?
2: They really fictionalized his life. Okay. Yeah. And so. N- those were really exciting, though, and adventurous and romantic. And, you know, he's Indiana Jones and he's James Bond is in it, that way. And is stuff. it you
0: commonly know? known that it was fictional, like how wrestling is known to be fake? Or uh, uh, is it that... Y- y- predetermined. Uh, predetermined. Horse again? <laughs> well, I mean, or, or, or is it like discovered later, like that it
2: was fictionalized? To, certainly to the general public, they didn't know it was fictionalized. Listen, okay. they, they had that, that Tony Curtis movie... Uh, Houdini mm-hmm. listen the only history in that movie is there a guy named Houdini Okay. Right? <laughs> and so it's just but people saw that so that's why everybody thinks that he died in the water torture cell when he didn't really died of a an appendicitis and peritonitis but really yeah, yeah. The burst <laughs> appendix yeah
0: and i didn't know that <laughs>
2: Not See? that the burst appendix is funny, but, but yeah, Jim exactly. just learning about this
0: now. Did you know so, that? No, but that's the whole thing. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so, your reaction it, to it.
2: It's really been about the last eh, 30 years or so that we've kind of gotten to the core, the, the, the original source material, found out what his life was, that sort of thing. So I have people like that that I read about that I find interesting. And then... You know, I watch the Bozo show every day. Yeah. Oh The grand it's, prize game. So I had Wizzo, mm-hmm. Marshall Brodeen, who's mm-hmm. selling his sets and Magic TV magic cards and stuff. But I also have every magician that has ever performed on there that I'd see these magicians on there. And it just, you know, right. that. And then uh, I tell the story. I did a friend show where I kind of did bi- biography. And I do a show now in libraries, which is a history of magic, but part of its biography. And I always tell a story of when I was nine years old. I went... So, I was going to go to Izzy Rizzy's House of Tricks, which is the magic shop that I would work at later on, to buy my first store bought magic trick, not the plastic sets we got at Zayer. I don't know if you know Zayer. I there. Oh, it was like, yeah, yeah, was we like the Zayer. Walmart when I was a yeah. kid. Yeah. It was across the street from Venture. It sure was. <laughs> and so, before that, though, we were going to a restaurant called Little Bit of Magic, which was right across the street. Same owner as the magic shop. They had magic shows on the weekends, uh, like a comedy club. When they were open for lunch and stuff, they have a magician come to your table, do magic. We have lunch. Magician comes to the table, does magic. This is the first trick that I really had the impact for me. It's a trick. The only trick I remember is the color changing knives. Now, it's a little pen knife that he would show white on both sides. He actually would come up to me and say, hey, did you lose a knife and show a white knife? I'm a nine-year-old kid, right? He's asking me if I lost my knife. This is not an unusual question on the south side of Chicago. <laughs> right, right. I told him no because I still have my knife. Right. <laughs> and then he waved his hand over it and it turned black. And he showed up both sides. Well, maybe you lost a black knife. No, and then it turned white. Then it turned black. And then he put the knife in his hand and he looked me in the eye and he asked me to name a color. He, he <laughs> was going to change that knife into a color of my choosing. This is Holy crap, Right. I said, blue, he waved his hand over his other hand, opened his hand. And what I saw was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. And it was absurd and it was crazy. Cause when he opened his hand, it wasn't a single blue pen knife. It was like that knife had shattered into a dozen miniature knives, Hmm. a rainbow of colors, yellow, white, black, red, green, and blue. And he took the blue one and he actually placed it in my hand. I held magic for that moment. And that had, I knew at that point that the power of what it is. And so I try and, you know, once you become a magician, you lose sort of your sense of wonder. Sure. People always are mad about not knowing the secret. We're not saving the secrets from you. We're saving you from the secrets. Ah, Because those secrets have a corrosive effect on your sense of wonder. I'll never see a magician again and be like, holy crap you know yeah I had it at that moment and that's what I try and recreate for my audiences
1: that's fascinating and that makes wow. sense because I will again we talked about it uh, at the beginning and I want to know how it's done too but you're right I really don't want to know how it's done uh, you're better off just being able to sit back and enjoy it but damn it is it frustrating <laughs> that they know something that I don't just because they spent decades of their life working on it
2: well well so I, I just ran, ran across an amazing quote From Jim Steinmeier, was the guy who designed the Statue of Liberty Vanish and many other. He's the foremost illusion designer in the world, uh, not only for magicians, but for Broadway and everything else. And he says that unlike a secret or a a common deception, like a con man or something like that, after magic, you shouldn't feel like something's been taken away from you. Something should be given to you. Ah, I like that. Nice. And so that's. I guess that goes back to those questions, so we don't have to worry about that that question. We'll still still come back (laughs) to it at the end. I'll have a different answer then. Okay, great.
0: (laughs) Now, this question, and I mean this respectfully, Uh as one entertainer to another, did your parents ever say you should become an accountant?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, but they did. My parents were blue collar. My dad dad was an order picker in a warehouse for Freightliner trucking parts. My mom worked uh, at one time. She worked for what was Cook's Chocolate, now World's Finest. And then she worked as a nurse's aide in a hospital um, on the southwest side and Holy Cross Hospital. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't understand it, especially my dad particularly didn't understand it. And, you know, you're not getting taxes taken out of your paycheck. What's going on? You know, that sort of thing. But I just kind of stuck with it. Didn't really leave myself much of a fallback. But I did because I worked the magic shop. So even when I wasn't doing shows, I still had this kind of regular job. And you
0: were in that environment too.
2: And then That's I, great. you know, I ran. I, I was in the gambling industry for a short time, and then I worked the magic shop at Navy Pier for thirteen years. That was always the. And I didn't do a lot of shows during that time because mm-hmm. it was the fallback job. It was that was always kind of the thing. And right now, it wasn't until after that that I decided I'm going to have to go whole hog in this and figure it out otherwise i'm going to be like a greeter at walmart or something like that because again i have no other marketable skills
0: sink or swim you gotta right yeah i love that my life has been a perpetual fallback plan instead of like a sink or swim i feel like i'm swimming but i have like this life raft yeah no i know
1: i'm kind of i'm trying to
0: but that's cool because his business card says magician and i call myself a comic but my business card says accountant yeah
1: same boat we we're on the same page there
0: what was the
2: first trick you ever learned I don't know if I can remember. The one that I kind of really remember that at least was successful for me uh, was I, the first magic that I ever really remember is uh, the Marshall Bourdain TV Money Magic. And in there, they had this little clear box that had a, like a red lid that you put on top of it. You put a quarter on top of that lid. You take a playing card, place that on top. You give it a little push, like a push the button, and the quarter falls through the lid, passes right through the solid lid, and then it can be examined. And that's the trick I really remember being successful with and doing that sort of thing.
1: As a magician, illusionist, any type of it, part of your job is getting people to look at one thing while you're doing something else, um, controlling a situation around you. There has to be an opportunity for people to use that for evil. certainly right like is that something that is self-regulated by the magic industry is that something you guys are always looking out for with each other how do? am I just am I fantasizing this
2: there is certainly a a section uh, that I am part of uh, that is part of the skeptical movement Mm -hmm. James Randi foundation that sort of thing who sees these people who go out and pretend that they have psychic powers, but they're really just using magic tricks and psychology to bilk emotionally vulnerable people mm-hmm. uh, out of their money. And so uh, we try and call that out and say what it is, that sort of thing. There's also the the thing, and you may, I don't know if you see this in comedy too, but see, magicians, we lie for a living. Mm-hmm. We're honest about it. We tell people we're sure. going to lie to you and then we do it. So it's not like it's we're secretively like a con man doing it. But the thing is that when you do that as a habit, Mm -hmm. it's hard not to do that in your real life. And we've, I think, every magician. Some of them are not really self-analyzing. I fell into that. You become sometimes manipulative. You some because you can get people to do things in a way that you want and stuff. So you really have to self-regulate in that sort of thing.
1: You can only imagine. That's very similar in comedy. I think you can just. You can take it too far. You can, yeah, I think there, there's some similarities there for sure. What's your favorite part? As a performer, what is your favorite part? Uh, is it the everyone wowing it? Is it the skeptical person? You know, what are your favorite things while you're up there doing a the trick?
2: The laughter and the applause. Yeah. I mean, it's I. <laughs> I'm one of those people that doesn't feel fully alive unless I'm on stage. Sure. And so it's getting that, those laughter and applause. That's the validation. You can see some, though, it's a super high, and you know that after the show, and suddenly everybody's gone home and you're alone. Yeah. It's a tough thing to experience. And you understand why some people do drugs, then afterwards, comics and stuff do drugs because they're in the hotel room later on alone and that sort of thing. And that's the, the thing you fight all the time. I, I've learned to try and not get too high or too low. You know, people get all sick and, like, they're throwing up before they go on stage or they're tied in knots. I don't get that way anymore. And part of it was 13 years, I worked 40 hours a week doing magic at Navy Pier for any person that came into the the store to try and sell them magic. And so that kind of stripped away a lot of my stage fright. I used to have terrible uh, performance anxiety when I was young. That stripped all of that away. And now I can just, I'm very relaxed on stage and very loose and can kind of do my thing. Not too high, not too low. Which
1: has to make you so much better. Uh, that's just one of the big changes I've had. We were talking about this yesterday in the last yeah. couple of years of, of up, like just being more in control of that, um, um, you know, and, and again, being able to slow down and just kind of see everything as it's coming to you yes. versus being so amped up and everything feels like it's coming at you a million miles an hour. Right. The same trick has to have so much more impact when you're more in control, right? It does, yeah. I love that. How do you bomb in magic? Is it them not liking it? Is it flubbing a trick? Like, what are, like, are those pitfalls that you have to be prepared for at all times on stage? Yeah,
2: I've screwed up stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, some guys, I'm a chicken. Okay. All my magic is really worked hard. Uh, there's very little that can go wrong sure. in it. There are guys that do stuff that's not 100%, and they're hopefully doing it, and they are completely comfortable with that. I am not. Mm-hmm. I've I but I've screwed up stuff. Something broke. Something fell over in the in the store. You know, I I, I did something wrong with the cards, and I go yeah, you know I'm only human. Yeah, you know this is you're a, even professional screw up once in a while, and I just kind of here let me do something else for you. That's
1: got to feel good for the novice too to see that. Like if you're training people for them to see the screw yeah. up, like in the store, it's got to make a difference for that. I
2: just hope people appreciate that I'm just being honest with them, and you know, yeah, understand what's going on. With this.
0: Well, at least for for comics, you know, a joke doesn't necessarily it's not necessarily hot or bombs you know it could be lukewarm you yeah. get a couple chuckles but for a trick i imagine it's either it works or it doesn't or is that not correct
2: yeah no 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 once in a while you'll get people that just didn't react to that trick even though it's i i've done you know it's it's yeah. the audience how drunk they are and everything else okay. that you know it's will they uh, really understand what just happened you know if you're not clear and clear in making it clear that the magic happened you could get a lukewarm react reaction to it if it's muddled.
1: All right, so we have a segment on the show. Uh, it's <laughs> William. We're in for a treat today. Um, we have a segment on the show called Harry's Hot Button. Harry's a man of controversy. He likes to know uh, get to the bottom of brass tacks. He wants he wants something controversial to be discussed every episode. So we have a segment that I have never know what's about to happen. <laughs> Harry sets it up. Apparently, him and James have been in cahoots on this one, and. Uh, I'm just going to let you take it away, Harry, with Harry's Hot Button.
0: (laughs) Hey, how did you do that? Well, sir, a magician never reveals his tricks. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Well, my wife and I can't thank you enough for bringing us this magical baby boy. And now for the finale. Abracadabra hey he has your eyes Ooh, that's hot
1: <laughs> what are you doing to our program what <laughs> the finale he has That was beautiful the, the baby has their eyes the magician brought them a baby tell me the story you just told us
0: <laughs> the magician slept with the wife oh <laughs> was that not clear it is now all of
1: this stays all <laughs> right <laughs> My favorite segment on the show every time. Um, I already have no comment on this. <laughs> he's just le- he's leaving the studio. Oh, that was beautiful, Harry. Thank, Thank you. Apparently so somebody's done their research. <laughs> um, when it comes to magic, magicians revealing secrets, all of that. I think about twenty years ago, I would guess that started on Fox. At least from my knowledge, the general public's knowledge, where they started having these shows where like magicians would reveal tricks. Um, and it was, you know, it was this big deal. I think it was after the Super Bowl the first time or something. It was a, it was a big primetime event. And certainly that has to have a big impact on the industry.
0: And the person doing it was like hidden, right?
1: Yeah, they yeah. wouldn't even, yeah. a
0: masked
2: magician.
1: I, yeah, so you're very familiar, obviously, with what I'm talking about. Yes. How has this impacted magic? I mean, this, this is a big breaking, breaking of the ranks from, the, from the, the, the shroud of secrecy we all heard about.
2: A couple things about it. It actually wasn't after the Super Bowl. And wasn't successful at first, but magicians got all up in their panties in a bunch and really gave it tons of publicity, which made it then successful. Really? (laughs) Yes. The other thing was many of the secrets on there were created to expose. They weren't the actual secrets that magicians were using. Oh, But some of them were. And some of them were really upset about it, but some of them were old hackneyed tricks anyhow. And people were talking about, oh, that's put me out of business. Well, maybe you should have been out of business in the yeah. first place if you're doing that hack stuff any, anymore. I don't think it's really affected because these things have been exposed. Years ago, uh, I don't know if it was Camel Cigarettes. There was a cigarette company that in their packages, they put out little cards that exposed magic tricks.
1: That seems people shitty.
2: Breath. One of the best, one, one <laughs> of the best, one of the best quotes in the world is: if you want to keep some, if you want to keep a secret secret, put it in a book. Yeah,
0: that's because, a great quote. Pe- yeah,
2: people will read it and they'll forget about it. Mm-hmm. They don't really, you know the tv show fed it to him in a very easy way if they have to go out and search for it they're not doing it i thought really. that was so.
0: a no one likes to read joke i mean probably a combination
1: of the two though <laughs> um did that guy get uh, did they find out who the masked magician was
2: they do i don't even remember who valentino i think was his name and so it okay. ruined his career i can imagine it absolutely ruined his career because i mean nobody uh, wanted to hire him after they try to work as the masked magician doing magic mm-hmm. for a while and stuff just as far as i know I, he hasn't really been heard of uh since wow uh but there's still, there's tons of exposure on YouTube right now. Yeah, You have to know what you're looking for because if a magician's dumb enough to use the name of the trick, when he's doing the trick for you, it's easy to, to, to Google. Otherwise mm-hmm. it's a little more difficult when you don't know what the name of the trick is to describe a trick and then, oh, tell me how when this guy picks a card he finds it, you know, or something like that. But it's, yeah, it doesn't really do anything. Uh, I keep secrets and I mm-hmm. believe in keeping secrets, but to be honest, I think if people know a little bit about magic and, and appreciate that hidden part of our art even more. That makes sense.
0: I will say that even if I've found out how a trick works, I still really appreciate the ability of the magician to present it in a way that you didn't know it by watching yeah. it. You had to research it.
2: Right. It, it's it, There is – gives you a different aspect of, of it.
0: Yeah. And I like that. I like –
1: Understanding a little bit about it, I don't need to know. What, like, there are times where I'll see an illusion or a trick, and I'll just be like, "Okay, I think I get that part. I think I get that part." And even those, those things that I'm catching, are probably drawing me away from something else that they're doing. Most of the
2: time, you're probably wrong, anyhow, because they're feints and fair and that kind of thing. So,
1: and, and does and but also just misleading me, I mm-hmm. would imagine. So I'm not, and then all of a sudden, you know, boom, you know, magician fucked my wife. I don't know. I don't <laughs> think that that's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> see i when i'm watching a magic trick i i'm looking like how's he doing that but i don't like to research it because i there is part of that wonder i like to have that surprise you know right. i don't want to know
1: i agree all right um we're gonna let you teach us some magic if that's okay just before we do that um teach, teach or i'm gonna do do if that's okay whatever you prefer whatever, whatever works for you you're gonna do a trick or I'll two do. for us yeah But if they want to find out more about you, uh, they can go to veryfunnymagic.net, libraryprogramming.com. That's about the history.
2: my my historical. I do a variety of educational programs for adults. It's fun. All right. What what do we got here? here? Okay. This is the the magic do-at-home magic trick. Magic Uh, Do-at-home magic trick. So So, hopefully your audience has now already gotten a deck of cards. And if you have
1: not, pause this podcast and get yourself a deck of cards. You're going to do a trick. And you only need
2: six cards. You need three black and three red.
1: Three black okay. and three red. And Checks out.
2: Put them in alternating uh, color. Okay. So, alternating so, color. So red, black, red, black, black, red, black, red, however you want there. Okay. Okay. Face down in your hands. Oh, okay. And put it... Now, I'm I'm going to tell you now. This is not a grand mystery, okay? Because yeah. it's something that we're doing of course. long distance. In of the way. course. But put it under the table. Mm-hmm. So you can't see the cards. And give the cards a cut. So... You may have known what was on top before, but now you don't know if there's a red card or a black card or anything like that. And give it a cut again if you want. Further kind of mixing it up. Because even though they were in red, black, red, black order, they're they're in an order. Mm -hmm. And we're going to try and uh, add some chaos to this now. Okay. Uh, Take the top card and turn it face up. Don't look. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. Just turn the top card and turn it face up. Okay. Now push off the top two cards and turn both of them over at the same time. Now take the top three cards and push them over and turn them over. Then take the top four cards and turn them over. Now take the top five cards and turn them over, leaving the one behind. And now take all six and turn them over. So we've added a little topsy-turviness to it, just like that first trick I did, right? And now let's, uh, let's change this up a little bit now. Let's say you can take the top card. And exchange it for the second card, if you want. Okay. So now the first card is the second card, and the second card is the first card. Now, if you want, you go down to the bottom and do the same thing. You can exchange the fifth card for the sixth card, or you don't have to. You don't, if you don't want to. I
0: don't I want, want to. to. I want to.
1: <laughs> Let's see who gets this right.
0: Now no. I'm gonna do it. Cause. God damn it! <laughs> right. can I
1: switch him back since he did it. I don't want. I want to be the opposite of him.
2: I've exchanged the fifth and sixth card. I
1: unexchanged them. We're good to go.
2: <laughs> now you can take... Let's take the top three cards. Now you can take them in order or you can reverse the order if you want and then turn them face down.
0: I'm taking a top three. In order? In order? Yeah, top one, two, three, turning them all over.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm reversing the order and then turning them over.
2: And let's uh, try... Let's take the top three again. Now you can either... Keep them on top. Oh, let's do it this way. If you were born between January 1st and June 30th, leave them on top. If you were af- born for the second half of the year, put them on the bottom of the pile.
0: Put what on the bottom, sorry?
2: The top three. Top three?
0: Okay.
2: Okay. We we You've made some decisions, didn't make some decisions. Right. Sort of I had thing. to do it. So <laughs> now uh, you can bring the cards out. Now here's the magic. Snap your fingers. Because we're going to... At home, some, snap your
1: fingers. Sorry. We're going to
2: create some order out of all that chaos. And as we turn it over, you can see that the cards have separated into their red and black.
0: Oh, my God.
2: And they're all facing the same direction. Wait, I'm,
0: I'm scared that I screwed this up.
1: <laughs> Mine's a duck. Whoa. <laughs> what? That's amazing.
2: So, and I'm sure that worked for everybody at home,
1: too. That's very cool. How, uh, I mean...
2: <laughs> it, it, it's mildly cool. But it's it's pretty it's cool. <laughs> yeah. I, okay, won't diminish.
1: You don't know what I was doing on there. It,
2: everything worked <laughs> out just no, fine. I, I think we have a feeling <laughs> we know what you were doing on there.
1: Everything turned out just fine. That's incredible. Ah, thank you. This is really neat. I hope uh, I hope people at home played okay. along. Wow. If you didn't go back and do it, it's pretty cool. It's fun to see. Thank you. Um, this has been cool. I've learned a lot. This is a topic that fascinates me. Uh, we're going to come back to our final segment, Three Answers, where we go back to those three questions and get answers. Let's go back to question number one. Question number one was, what, what is your response when someone tricks you?
0: Yes. Mine was that I'm like, how did he do that?
1: I'm always, how do, I, you know, how do you do that until it happens? And I kind of I do just kind of live in the moment a little bit. But what do, you, what, what do you say, Bill? What do you guys want?
2: And that's hopefully what, you know, some people get really angry about yeah. it. Like, again, because they think magician, they think con man. Yeah. Which is really totally wrong. Sure. Way to think about it. But I, I can understand why it is because so many magicians af- kind of have an affinity to con. Magicians are con without balls. That's fair. <laughs> I like they, that. They don't have the, the balls to go out there because when you're a magician, what happens when your trick goes wrong? Nothing. Nothing. You, uh, you suck. Mm-hmm. People think you suck. Mm-hmm. That's about it. When you're a con man and something goes wrong. You get your ass kicked. You go to jail. Jail. you mm-hmm. broken hands. If you're a card cheat, mm-hmm. any of those Some types of steals things. Steals your no mechanical pencil. Risk. So there are th- – that's the, the levels of where you're at. And so magicians like to – uh, Temporarily inconvenienced con men they don't have like uh, the guts to. Well, that's the old. Everybody thinks they're a temporarily inconvenienced millionaire, you know, <laughs> right, that's the, right. The thing. So, uh, but it's the truth. They don't. Well, so I. You, you have that sense of wonder. You know, some people will say, "Oh, how do you do that?" But I don't think they really. They just need to say something. Yeah. They need to express their uh, wonderment. And that's the only way they know how. They don't really uh, – Penn Gillette has a wonderful thing where he – when people said that, he used to start to tell them. And they were like, no, no, don't tell me. <laughs> don't tell me. I don't didn't really want to know. And that's the thing. They don't really want to know. Ah, it's so. fascinating. Just enjoy it.
1: That's true. That's a, that's a good life lesson that I could take. Uh, question number two. That was the first trick
2: you remember ever seeing or what's the most memorable trick?
0: Oh, you. yeah. Mine was the nose one. You shaped it. Where this. did your nose go?
1: <laughs> it's such a great trick. Uh, my most memorable was the Statue of Liberty.
2: Interesting thing about this is that generally the most memorable tricks are the ones you can say very simply, right? Huh. You see a hundred card tricks in one night. Go to the yeah. magic lounge. You see a hundred cards in one night. What did the, Oh, what tricks did the magician do? Oh, I don't know. He did a bunch of card tricks. Mm-hmm. It all becomes a blur. But if I can do one incredible trick that you can easily describe, like he had me think of a card, and then it was upside down in the deck of cards. He never even touched it. That's that's fascinating. A thing. Yeah. So this is the kind of thing that most people get is that, and a good magician will then structure his show like that. So you have these easily definable moments, mm-hmm. easily describable moments, because most of the time you don't remember their name, and that bothers
1: me. I, so I just did that. So you asked who I saw at the CML, and I can describe them to you. Um, and I hate that I don't know their names because when someone's like, oh, "I was at a comedy show. Who'd you see?" Oh, I don't remember. And now I'm that asshole. I don't remember <laughs> who they were. I need to get their names from you. I'm going to tell you who. I'm going to describe them to you and see if you can tell me. But you're right. But an easy to describe trick is going to be something that you're going to tell people about all the time. And the moment you said the nose thing, everyone knew what you were talking about. The moment I said the Statue of Liberty, if you if you're familiar with it, you know exactly what I'm talking about.
2: Yeah, and he built that up as a grand yeah. thing. you know, this is a big deal, and he gave. He gave emotional content to it, talking about the United States and what the meaning of it is and stuff like that. So there's an emotional meaning to that also that helps you connect better with it. Uh, The nose thing is there's an emotional, you're involved with it. Generally, tricks you're going to remember are things that you're involved with. But it has more than just, I found your card, fuck you. Mm -hmm. You know, it it, it has (laughs) this thing that you can connect with, right? It has... A, a, a textured emotional thing with it.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. I found your card. Fuck you. Um, all right. And question number three. Jim, I have your pen.
2: Fuck you. <laughs> so <laughs> if you were to uh, ask, uh, ask to be name a magician who's the first that pops in your head and you said David Copperfield. Yes. Right? I and want Houdini. And Houdini. And so David Copperfield, obviously the probably the most famous magician of our time or mm-hmm. one of the most famous ones of our time was on television. times. he built this kind of He was the only one at the time. It was always thought that America would only accept one great magician at any one time. So we can trace this kind of lineage of kind of America's magician through these years. And uh, he was uh, the second of the great touring magicians of the modern era. Doug Henning would be the first. Familiar with the name. Then Copperfield comes in and really does it. And let's say uh, by the metric of fame, and money, he is the most successful magician in history. So uh, certainly easy to remember. Houdini. Some 90 years after his death, we still remember him. It's pretty crazy. That's really amazing. He, he captures people's imagination in a way that other magicians don't. And part of it is uh, his tragic death. We remember celebrities in their tragic death. Part of it is after he dies, his wife uh, gets together with a guy who's a PR agent. And Houdini's like the first celebrity to have a PR agent after he's dead. Wow. And his job is to keep Houdini famous so she can derive some income as being Mrs. Houdini. He creates the Houdini seance as a publicity stunt. So every year, the newspapers will write about Houdini, keep him famous. Houdini's promotional stuff. The great magician of Houdini's time was really Thurston. His advertising was to get people their butts in the seats where he performed. Mm -hmm. Houdini's promotionals were to make a legend out of him. And the other thing is that Thurston did a great show, great magician. Houdini was more than a man. He was a symbol. Yeah. His audiences, the, the every man, the immigrant like him, they looked at him on stage and recognized him as one of their own. He wasn't saying this literally, but figuratively he was telling them that, you know, I have things that bind me. I have things that hold me back, but I can defeat them. And if I can defeat them, You can defeat them. And that's an important message that resonates with us still today.
0: Absolutely. And also, I mean, he kept the illusion going with those biographies that that people believed.
2: I I would say, you know, in his life, he lied about himself (laughs) and he didn't care because it was good publicity. Then the reporters got a hold of it and they stretched the truth even more and he didn't care because it was good publicity. And his earliest biographers got a hold of it and they stretched it even more and he didn't care because he was dead. Usually
1: that gets a laugh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still... I'm sorry. I'm fascinated by it.
2: And... I mean, it... it, it, it and so... It, I never knew this. It keep, does keep this legend kind of going along. And still... Every year a new Houdini book comes out because people still are fascinated by this character.
1: Of course, it makes sense now. I just assumed he was the best magician oh, of his era. No, he was the not, best showman. He was the he, best he was promoter. The best show, he was the exactly, best Exactly. He was, In fact, the best he was probably liar.
2: probably a mediocre magician. Yeah. Okay. A great escape artist. Sure. The qualities that made him a great escape artist probably made him not as good of a magician as he could have been.
1: Makes sense. Uh Bill thank you so much for joining us William Pack again one more time. Uh people can find you at veryfunnymagic.net. That's correct. Uh they can find the
2: libraryprogramming.com
1: for the educational shows and then familiarspiritslive.com for the séance show.
0: Yes. And one also question about magic in Chicago. Where are some places that people can go to in addition to Chicago Magic Lounge to
2: go see magic? Uh, the other place I highly recommend is uh, the Magic Parlor, which is at the Palmer House. Uh, my friend Dennis mm. Watkins does a fantastic show. Kind of an old school guy, uh, uh, actor with a house theater company and stuff. So he does a really wonderful job. Those are the two that I most recommend. Sometimes you can find a bar that's having it or a show around, that sort of thing. But these, those two are the places to really see magic.
1: Cool. Okay. Or April 8th at uh, Club Arcada in St. Charles. For sure. Okay. Yep.
2: Thank awesome. you very much. Thanks. Appreciate
1: you. William Pack, uh, thanks for joining
2: us today. I Had a great time. Thanks.
1: Hi, right, that was great. I loved it. I learned a lot today about magic. Uh, one of my favorite things. I uh, I'm still a kid about it. I'm still like just amused and enjoy seeing it. There's fucking cards in my hand did exactly what they were supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> I <had> a nice <laughs> that was, time. It was amazing. It was cool.
0: I love seeing magic, and I, I, I wish there was more of it in Chicago.
1: I agree, um, but there are some cool spots, and then uh, also that benefit sounds really fun, so i got to figure out where I am that weekend.
0: I'm always hoping that some kind of table magic will happen at, when I'm out at a bar or restaurant.
1: But see, that's where I go back to the, I'm like, eh, is this guy a grifter? Like, okay. like, you know what I mean? I don't know if this guy really works here, or, you know, <laughs> now that you've told me magicians might try and bang your wife, now I'm going to be worried about something else every time one walks by. <laughs> Eyes up, man. Um so, yeah, I don't know, uh, I, I, but I, I, I love going to see Magic. Um, uh, certainly going to check out William Pack, uh, VeryFunnyMagic.net, uh, if you want to see his upcoming dates as well. Um, what else is new in your world? Do you have to know
0: kind of, like, to get into Chicago Magic Lounge, can you just walk in there? Or do you have to, like, because it's a hidden door. It's, it's a hidden like a door. have to arrangement to get it, like, even to hang you out You buy the tickets. Bar.
1: So there's a bar you can just hang out at as long as there's room. You buy tickets for the show. I highly recommend the show. We did the VIP tickets. It was just, uh, And it's like it's It's so much more in depth than a comedy show because a comedy show, you sit down, you have your ninety minute show and you get the fuck out. This it's like, hey, your first hour, you just chill at your table, comedy. they'll have uh, up close close up magic table magic right there for you. And then they have a host kind of set up the whole evening. and then they have a feature act go up, and they have the host go back up. and um, in this case, it was more of a mentalist, I believe, that, that I saw that she was kind of she asked everyone what they were there for and their anniversaries and all of that before the show. Then after the feature, before the headliner went up, she went table by table to every group and, you know, and happy 37th birthday, Hari, and happy 26th anniversary, Mike and Joan. You know, like every one of them, you know what I mean? Like just through memory. And then the headliner went up there and and was amazing as well. And then you go to another show and then on your way out, you go to the bar and there's a dude standing there doing close-up magic, Like... It's an experience, it's an evening, it's fun. I, I highly recommend checking it out.
0: Cool. And the Chicago Magic Lounge is, uh, I think it's in Andersonville on Clark, right? That
1: it is. Yeah, right. All right. Uh, anything you want to plug real quick?
0: Um, no.
1: Perfect. <laughs> um, since this will be coming out after my uh, album recording, I just want to say thanks to everyone who showed up, or I want to say I'm sorry to everyone who showed up for such a tragic experience. I didn't even know there would be goats in the neighborhood. I just, I can't apologize for for everything that happened that night. Um, and uh, it, again, we, we're always looking to interact with you guys. If you guys have any ideas for guests, if you think that you'd like to come on and teach us about something, you hit us up. Do you want to ask
0: Jim where my pencil went?
1: Okay, can we just fucking, <laughs> this is ridiculous. You dropped it somewhere in the car near your seat and you couldn't find it betwixt all of the sauce packets
0: think and empty
1: kombucha stuff. bottles that you left in my vehicle that are still there. Um and, and so I I I do not want your pencil. I want my pen back because I stole that son of bitch fair and square.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see about this.
1: Check us out uh podcast w at podcast wdwk on social media, podcast wdwk at gmail.com if you want to reach out and talk to us. Uh James, anything new? Thank you for coming to Jim's uh recording, everybody. <laughs> and or I am sorry. The goats were my fault. <laughs> One more time for Harry Rao and for James Webb here at the People of Comedy Network Studios, I'm Jim Flanagan. This is What Do We Know.